103b, as we continue in our discussion of what type of shoe has to be used, or could be used, for chalitza, for the mitzvah of chalitza. Uh, we pointed out earlier that the shoe requires a certain measurement. It has to cover most of the foot in order for it to be defined as a shoe. Uh, now there's an important uh, halacha, as a, by way of introduction to the following Gemara, uh, there's an important law that says that if something is omade, if it's destined to be destroyed, for whatever reason, the halacha says that if something has to be destroyed, there are various things in Jewish law that have to be destroyed, whether it's um, something which was used for idol worship, <coughs> excuse me, or um, if it's something that it has, if it's tzara'as, if there's this uh, form of tzara'as, which is this spiritual leprosy uh, on the house or on a garment, so then that has to be destroyed. There are various situations where things have to be destroyed. So if it has to be destroyed, so then even before it's destroyed, from a halachic perspective, it's like it's already destroyed, because halacha is saying that it should be destroyed or it will be destroyed. And so therefore, from a halachic perspective, it's like the item doesn't exist. It's like it doesn't have a specific measurement. So things that require a measurement, if it's destined from a halachic perspective to be destroyed, so then it doesn't have that measurement. It doesn't have that halachic measurement even before it is actually destroyed. And so then so too here, the discussion comes up with regards to a shoe which has to be destroyed. Uh, we'll get to different cases where it potentially has to be destroyed. So if it has to be destroyed, so then seemingly we would say that um, we would seemingly say that it uh, is not viewed as having its measurement of covering the foot, and so therefore you cannot do chalitza with it. That's what one would think. Uh, so let's see the specific details in the Gemara as we learn this Gemara, and we will. Emir Hashem, God willing, complete uh, this Gemara of this Mishnah and begin a new Mishnah in the next. Recording. So Amar of Papi Mishmeid Rava. First of Papi says in the name of Rava. We'll see that the next opinion who argues is a very similar name, but it's of Papa in the name of Rava. But right now it's of Papi in the name of Rava. Sandal Hamuskar Lotakhlasbo Vimchalta Khalitsasak Shira. Sandal Hamukla Lotakhlasbo Vimchalta Khalitsa Sapsula. And so Papi says as follows. He says that it's, these are different cases of a Mitsura. Uh, there's different types of a mitzora, somebody who has tzaras, who has the spiritual leprosy. There's what's referred to as muskar, where it's a case where we don't know for sure if the person has tzaras yet. It has not yet been determined um, that the person has tzaras. And so the person or the item, um, it, it has to be set aside. It has to go, the person has to go into seclusion till, for a week. Until you find out afterwards whether or not, based on the different signs, whether or not uh, they actually have tsaras or not. And so that's referred to as muskar, that they are have to go into seclusion. The other form of tsaras is where we know for sure. Once we know for sure, so then that's referred to as mukhla, which means that it's with certainty. And so they've been determined to have tsaras. And so that's a different form of uh, laws that apply in that case. And so it's only true when it's mukhlat does it have to be destroyed. Whatever has tzaras has to be destroyed. Um, with regards to a garment or parts of a house, uh, so then that has to be destroyed. When it's muskar, when it's just uh, in the stage of trying to figure out whether or not 
it's actually tsaras or whether it's just uh, a uh, a non-spiritual rash or disease. Um, so until that point in time, it's referred to as muskar and it does not have to be destroyed. So what happens if this, uh, if you have a shoe where it has first it has the first case we'll deal with is that it has tsaras, but we don't know for sure with certainty whether this is tsaras and might have tsaras and might not. So in that case, we say, don't do chalitza with it. Don't do chalitza with it. And everybody, we'll see everybody agrees that if you did a chalitza, the chalitza is fine. Why? Because it, uh, it's not destined, uh, the halach is, is that you don't have to burn it. You don't have to destroy it. The reason why you shouldn't do it ideally is because you might confuse it with the other form of tsaras. But it on its own, it would be completely permissible. However, if you use a shoe, which we know for sure has tsaras, so according to the first opinion, we say you cannot do chalitza with it. And if you did do chalitza with it, so then it, it's invalid. It's completely invalid because it's supposed to be burnt and it has to be destroyed. And since it has to be destroyed from a halachic perspective, it's like it doesn't have any measurement right now. It's not covering most of the foot. That's the first opinion. Rapapa Mishmei de Rava Amar, Rapapa in the name of Rava, he argues. And he says, he agrees in the first case. In the case where uh, we're not sure whether or not it has tzaras, he agrees, don't do it. If you did it, so then it is fine. But he argues in the case where we know for sure that there's tzaras, it's destined to be destroyed. He says, he also agrees that you shouldn't, ideally you shouldn't destroy it, but it, sorry, you shouldn't use it for chalitza. But if you did use it for chalitza, so then it does work. It would work. It is kosher. It would work. Um, why would it work? In that case, so the reason why this would work, uh, Rashi explains, there's a few explanations, but we'll stick with Rashi. Rashi, the classic commentator, he explains a bit later on that the reason why this works is because we'll see that there are other cases of clothing um, where we say that, uh, by specifically by clothing, by tzara'as, where we, based on, based on the verse where this is an exception to the rule, where we say that, no, really... It is still viewed as clothing, even though it is destined to be destroyed. Even though it should be destroyed because of tzaras, but because of various sukkim, the various verses, we say that it really uh, does continue to exist as long as you didn't destroy it, uh, which is an exception to the rule. The rule is called suse mechsas shiure, that it's as if the shear, the, the measurement, doesn't exist when it's destined to be destroyed. According to the one that says that it's kosher, so then he's going to say that no, uh, really... Uh, really, it is still in existence because it's com- it's it's uh, clothing with saras, and we'll see that the verse says that it still maintains its uh, measurements, and it's an exception to the rule. He still agrees that you shouldn't ideally uh, use it for chalitza, but he says it does work. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to ask the following question. It's going to ask that wait a minute, we can find various cases where we say that. Even though it's destined to be destroyed in the context of Tzaras, we say that it's as if it exists. What's the case? Various questions on this. Mesave. Based on Muskar Metam Mitochum, Mokhla Mitochum, Meachor, Vizavazam Metam Mibia, Vizagadadak, Ketemechtos Dami, Vabainan, Vabala, Bais Vilaka. In the context of a house which has Tzaras, we say that if a house has Tzaras, so inside the house, if, it's, if we're not sure whether or not it has Tzaras, inside the house, it, it transfers impurity. If it's for sure as Tzaraz, so then both inside the house and the outer part of the house transfers the impurity. But the point is that if once you go inside the house, so then the entire house, you don't have to just touch the walls. Once you go inside the house, you become impure because the house itself is impure. 
because of the tsaras, the house has this uh, spiritual disease. I mean, it transfers over impurity. But the Gemara wants to know, it says that the only time that it actually transfers impurity is when you are in the house. But since this house is destined to be destroyed anyways, so then why would we view this as in the house, within an ohel, within a tent, which requires a certain specific measurement to be viewed as a tent, to be viewed as a house? So why should we be concerned? You're gonna just, it's going to be destroyed anyways. It should be as if it doesn't exist. If it doesn't exist, so then you don't become impure. The impurity here is because you are under the roof uh, and, uh, and within the walls of the house. But here you're not. You're not. The, the house is supposed to be destroyed. And the rule is that something which is supposed to be destroyed, it's as if it doesn't exist in terms of its measurements. So what do you do here? So the Gemara says, no, this is an exception to the rule. The verse says, It refers to it as a house, even when it says, destroy the house, it still calls it a house. Even at the time of destroying it, it maintains, uh, and it's destined to be destroyed, it maintains its identity as a house. So this is the first exception to the rule. To the content of if you destroy something, so then does it retain its measurement, its name? We see that when it comes to a house, it does retain it, even though in general we'll say it doesn't, like by idol worship, where you have to destroy idol worship over here, we say that it does. Okay, second question. Tashma, second example where we see that it also retains its measurement. Matlis, if you have a garment, which is a very small garment, but the minimal amount that is suffices to be viewed as a garment, uh, but its thickness is less than a kezayis, less than an olive's worth. So you need, the, you need it as if the whole thing is inside. So once the majority goes inside the house, the house is pure. But this object, this cloth, has tzara'as, and so it's impure. Once this impure garment uh, goes into the house, because it doesn't have the minimal amount... Once all of it goes into the house, or at least the majority goes into the house, because the majority is like the whole thing goes into the house, that makes the house impure. Uh, because this garment, which has tzaras, makes the house impure. So the says, I understand. My love, mukhletes, aren't we dealing here with a case where this garment has tzaras, and we know for sure that it has tzaras, and if we know for sure that it has tzaras, then this garment has to be destroyed. If this garment has to be destroyed, so it's not like it all went inside the house. No. It's not like it's all went, went inside the house because it it's, uh, doesn't have its measurement because it's destined to be destroyed. Gemara first wants to suggest, the Gemara will reject this answer, but the Gemara first wants to suggest lo musgaris. No, the case is where we're not sure whether or not it's teras, and so therefore it's not destroyed. But the Gemara says, no, that can't be. We're dealing with a case here where we know for sure the garment has teras, has to be destroyed. How do we know? Because the rest of this b'risa says, ha if this garment does have a kezayis, does have an olive's worth in its thickness, so then we say that even if it's a very big garment, as long as you bring in the minimal amount, which is a kezayis, an olive's worth, that will make the house impure. So this idea of just bringing in a kezayis, so that only applies when we know for sure that, the, that there's tzaras there. Only when we know for sure that there's saras there, so then we say that if all you have is a kezayis that's brought in of the entire amount, it's a much bigger garment, and just a kezayis, an olive's worth of that garment enters into the house, that only that impures the house, purifies the house. That is only true when we know for sure that it has saras. So this seems to be a pretty clear proof. 
It's a pretty clear proof that the fact that it makes the house impure, makes it tamay, that shows us that we're dealing with a case here where the garment itself is for sure has saras. And yet, why do we say that since it has saras, it's like it's destroyed, because you have to destroy it and it doesn't have any measurement. The Gemara here too says, no, this is exception number two to this principle. Because the verse calls it as you should burn the garment. So as it's destined to be burnt, it's still referred to as a garment. So this is an exception to the rule. Even though in general, again, like by idol worship, we say that if it has to be destroyed, it's like the measurement doesn't exist. Two exceptions to the rule, and they're both in the context of saras by the house and saras by the garment. Um, so that's, uh, those are two exceptions to the rule. Uh, so the Gemara wants to know, well, if we have two exceptions, why don't we learn from those two cases that at least when it comes to garments, like a shoe, perhaps, we should say that the shoe, even if it's destined uh, to be destroyed, but it's still, when it comes to the laws of chalitza, that it's still, it's still around, it's still in existence, and you should be able to use a shoe that has taras. Why don't we say that? Why do we say that you shouldn't use it? So the Gemara has an important point here, and it says, no, because iser metuma lo gamrinon. This is an important point, which is elaborated upon by some of the later commentators. In general, we have a principle that the entire Torah is connected. You can find laws in one area of Jewish law, a certain category of Jewish law, and how it has relevance to a different area of Jewish law. Because there's some sort of connection, some sort of similarity, uh, something to connect, and that the entire Torah can be viewed as one. However, this is an important point, there are various categories where we, it's just, there's a principle, there's a rule, that these are separate categories, and you cannot uh, learn one from the other. And so these three categories are the laws of impurity, cannot, you cannot learn from the laws of impurity, to the laws of Isr Vehetar, what is permissible and what is forbidden, like Chalitza, which makes uh, her either permissible or forbidden. Um, and the third category is with regards to monetary issues. All three, those are all independent of each other, and you cannot learn one from the other. Those, are that, those three are the exception to the rule, to, to the general rule that you can learn from one area of law to another, but with regards to these three, you cannot learn from one to the other. And so, so too over here. Even though with regards to the laws of impurity, we say that the clothing is like it continues to exist, even though it's destined to be destroyed. But that's not the case when it comes to the laws of Chalitza, which has to do with the one making her permissible to, to marry whoever she wants. And, and so therefore, we cannot compare the two, according to this opinion. You cannot compare the two. And so therefore, when it comes to the laws of Chalitza, it's like it doesn't exist. You cannot use it. You cannot use such a shoe. So Amar Rava, that's the end of that discussion. That's really the end of that discussion. Just to point out, we mentioned that there was a dispute between two different opinions within Rava. If you ended up using such a shoe, does it work or not? So one opinion says it doesn't work because, because we just can't call it a shoe. It's destined to be destroyed. The other opinion says that no, there's still, it's not an exact way of learning it from the laws of impurity, but it just reveals to us that it's still viewed as a shoe. So therefore it would in fact work. Um, you shouldn't do it. Ideally, you shouldn't use such a shoe. But if you did use such a shoe, then it would work. That is the dispute that we had earlier. Now comes Rava towards the end of this Gemara, and he he brings a summary of the final halacha, the final law. Amar Rava the law is as follows: 
Echad sandal amuskar, ve echad sandal shemuchlat, ve echad sandal shel ovedus kachavim, lo tachlos of mchalta chalitza sekshira. With regards to three types of shoes, we say you shouldn't do chalitza with it, but if you did, then it works. It does in fact work. And two of the cases are the tzaras cases. Now the tzaras cases are the cases where either we're not sure if the, the shoe has tzaras, or we do know with certainty that it has tzaras. At the end of the day, we say that even if we know with certainty it has tzaras, and you have to destroy it, uh, but because it's still defined as a shoe, so therefore you shouldn't use it, but if you did, so then the chalitza works. The last case is also an interesting case. It's a case where it was a shoe that wasn't used for the worship itself, but it was used uh, for the statue, let's say, to to you put it on the bottom of the statue so that you could move it, so that uh, it basically walks, so to speak, on these shoes. Um, or it's actually moving and it has these shoes to walk on. So that's what it's used for. So in that case, the reason why you could use it for chalitza in the end of the day, it's not ideal, but you could use it for chalitza in the end of the day, is because even though there is an option to destroy it, but there's also an option to just not destroy it and just to uh, basically nullify it from being part of idol worship, and then you wouldn't have to destroy it. So because uh, there's another way out, or practically uh, people won't destroy it, they will just uh, nullify it, so therefore it's not destined to be destroyed. Uh, that's, uh, that's the last uh, explanation there, uh, for the last case that, we, that Rava mentions. It is important just to point out that besides the fact that idol worship has to be destroyed, and in this case we're saying really may, might not have to be destroyed, but idol worship, independent of that, you cannot get any benefit from. So there's a separate question that the commentators ask. How could you even get benefit from such a shoe for chalitza? And many of the commentators answer that, that the concept of not getting benefit from idol worship does not extend to mitzvot, does not extend to uh, Torah, fulfillment of Torah mitzvos because that we don't do the mitzvos for our benefit. It's not for our. We don't do it for our benefit. It's not viewed as a benefit. We do it because it's the right thing to do because this is what God told us to do, but not because we don't. We, objectively, we don't view it as as a as a pleasure, as a form of of a benefit. Uh, we don't do it for that purpose, and so therefore, uh, when it comes to mitzvos, when it comes to actual mitzvos, then it is allowed from that perspective. It, it is allowed. The, the second half of the list is as follows for Rava. If you use it, not just to have the statue walk, but uh, put on the bottom of the statue, but it's actually used in the process of the idol worship, then it has to be burnt. It's destined to be burnt, and as such, um, you cannot even use it for chalitza. Even if you tried, it wouldn't work. That's case number one. Turning the page to Kovdalad Amanalef, 104a, Vishal Irani Dachas, or if it's part of a city, where the majority of the people there are idol worshippers, we say you have to destroy everything in the city, including the shoes, and so therefore it also no longer has the identity of a shoe. Another case is the tachrichin. If it's a shoe, uh, which wasn't really originally a shoe, but it was just made into a shoe, but it's the the threads where it was destined to be used uh, for the person to be buried in, and you're not allowed to get, uh, it's, not, it's not made for walking, made to be buried in, we say that all three of those cases, which if it's used for actual idol worship or in the city of an idol worship where it's supposed to be destroyed, we say even after the fact it wouldn't work as chalitza. Or the last case, which we'll deal with in the next couple of lines, the tachrichin, what a person's buried in. So in that case, it's not meant for walking. It's meant just to be buried in. And so therefore you cannot use that for chalitza either. 
So Amr Ravina Ravashi, Ravina says to Ravashi, just to end off, Maishna Zakin also the Fodid Allah, Lehi Lucha Ovid, the Medina Nami Lavli Lucha Ovid. He says, I don't understand. The Chalitza shoe that we use now, even in the days of the Gemara, it wasn't something which was commonly worn. They they had it reserved in the in the Beitin in the in the court. That's when it was it was stayed there, and when they needed to use it for chalitza, they would take it out. So it's also in that case, it's also it's not used for walking. It just it stays in the Beitin, it stays in the court. Uh, so it should be very similar to the case of tachrichin, to the case of which is where it was uh, designated for uh, for somebody to be buried in. Um, so what's the difference between the two? So Amalei. He says, I don't understand. If, let's say, one of the messengers, one of the people who work in the court, they wanted to wear this just to walk around, the court would say, fine, go ahead and wear it. So it's true. Most of the time, it's not being used for anything. But if somebody wanted to wear it and to use it, they would say, go ahead, go and use it. Feel free to use it. So really, it is made to walk. It happens to be, or potentially to walk. And it could be used as opposed to so when somebody's buried in uh, in a certain garment, then it's designated as such. You can never use it for anything else. Okay, that concludes our discussion of different types of shoes, and uh, also the concept that it loses its measurement if it's destined to be destroyed, or the concept about mitzvos uh, not being for our pleasure. A lot of uh, key. Uh, topics that are found within this overall topic about the shoes for Chalitza.